Good morning, everyone. My name is Sergio Arguello. It's so good to be with you this Sunday morning. Hopefully, you guys all enjoyed uh, your Thanksgiving. I know we had a lot of different foods, some yams, some turkey, great stuff. So I hope you had a great time with your family. Maybe you weren't able to be with your extended family, but you got to be with your family at home. Hope that was good for you. This morning, we are going to focus on living in gratitude. It's something that we see throughout the Bible. I studied it out this whole week, and it was really interesting to see how many stories in the Bible had to do with people that were grateful to Jesus and what he had done in their life. As I look back on my life, I had so many different instances where I could think back and say, wow, God had major interactions there with me. Uh, he intervened to be able to save me from myself, from different situations, one of the stories that I want to share with you that really came up and stood out probably above a lot of the rest was when Nicholas was just born. This was 1998, uh, around April, maybe 15th or so, maybe a little before. It was a few days after he was born. He had developed a fever. We had him at home and he was fuzzy. He kept crying. He was really warm. He wouldn't, he wouldn't feed and we were really, really worried about our child you know this brand new baby and we didn't know what to do so we take them into the hospital and right away they send us to children's hospital because they don't know what's going on with him fully they're worried about him we drive out to children's hospital and all the staff and the nurses gather around him probably about five or six different people they're trying to get ivs in him and they couldn't find a good vein to get an iv in him to where they eventually had to do a spinal tap and get one of the veins on his uh, right in between his toes. It was so scary for us. They told us, you're going to have to stay at the hospital. We ended up being in the hospital with Nicholas for nine days. Kristen slept on uh, a uh, an extended, like a, like a recliner chair, and I slept on a plastic chair. They allowed me to stay there. Thank goodness. But it was super, super scary. Like I said, he ended up having a spinal tap. He had to go through a series of antibiotics. Initially, they didn't know what was going on with him, if he had meningitis or what was going on with him. And he ended up having a urinary tract infection and a kidney infection. But it was a really serious thing for a newborn to be dealing with. But I was so grateful that his life was saved by the staff and by God, the whole church was praying for him, that when our stay was, was done, or his stay was done there at Children's Hospital, I went back one of the few days after he was out, I went back after work, I bought a bunch of flowers, I bought a couple dozen donuts, I put together a couple of cards for the staff that attended to him and helped us out, and I went there and I hugged them and I thanked them, I was so grateful that my son was alive. There was no way that I could repay these people for what they had done for my wife and I. We were incredibly uh, grateful for them. We, we wanted to live a life in gratitude to them, just showing them how much they had done for us. Yeah, that's, that's the story there of somebody saving your child's life. Maybe you could relate with that. Uh, and it's something that we're probably going to remember all of our lives. And we're going we're gonna to read here from Luke chapter 17 in the scriptures. Just about 10 men that 
were healed by Jesus of their leprosy. And we're going to get to see their response, very different response from nine of them, and a, another totally different response from another one in the story. So we'll read in Luke 17 from verses 11 through 19. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. This guy was not a Jew, not a religious guy at all. He just happened to be hanging out with these guys. He was, he was part of the group. Jesus asked them, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? That's a really good question. Only this one guy came back and he wasn't, he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't part of God's people. He was the only one that came back to thank Jesus. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Jews held to the belief that leprosy was a punishment that was inflicted by God upon people that had sinned. So these guys probably thought to themselves, what have we done? You know, we're being punished for our deeds. They were excluded from God's people. They were excluded from being part of the community of Jews. And they had to feel a lot of shame. They had to feel unloved. They had to feel excluded. They had to feel like outcasts. And I'm sure that being in that area that wasn't all Jews, but Samaria was nearby, they started making friends with this Samaritan guy. And typically when people hang out in groups, they do so because either one, they have common interests. Maybe in this case, these guys had a common sin that they participated in. Or number two, maybe they showed empathy and concern for one another. You know, they brought each other comfort through the pain that they went through as people with leprosy. Their leprosy was a mark of God's displeasure about their life or in them more than any other disease. The community of God was supposed to have nothing to do with people that were unclean, that had something, some kind of disease that was transmittable. Almost like we try to stay away from people that have tested positive with coronavirus. You know, we wear masks, we walk far away from them, we social distance. These are the types of things that were going on with these men. They were in quarantine in a sense. And even as they walked by other people, maybe even, you know, 10, 12 feet away, they were supposed to yell if they were in visual distance of other people. They were supposed to yell out loud with their mouths covered, unclean, unclean, so that people would stay far away from them and not catch whatever they had. They were despised by all people around them. It had to be a lonely existence for them since they were not welcome to be with their family. They were not welcome to be with their friends. They were totally outside of the community. And you know, many times 
people feel uncomfortable coming around others that are uh, God-fearing, you know, church-going people, because they feel a sense of this spiritual leprosy. Like, I just don't feel like I fit in. These guys were completely cast out. It wasn't that they just felt something and they didn't go around the community of God, but they were not allowed. In our days, people feel like they're not allowed oftentimes to come to church, uh, to be in a worship service because they might not be accepted. I remember the first time I came out to church, I had all sorts of fear about being around God's people, about being around religious people, being around Christians. I thought they're going to judge me. They're going to look at my life and say, hey, we don't want you to be a part of this. You don't belong here. These are all insecurities that I felt. And yet, the guys that invited me to church kept calling me and calling me and calling me. And I, and I decided, I said, hey, I'm going to go or these guys are going to drive me crazy. But all my fears subsided when I came to worship. And I was just welcomed with open arms. And that's the type of reception that we want to give to people. You know, as Christian people, we could often be very judgmental of others. And live our lives almost like we are living in Old Testament times. Where we look at somebody and we see them and we're like, unclean, that person's unclean. You know, we, could, we could do that to others. And we could make them feel like they don't belong. They could feel guilty. They could feel shame. They could feel all sorts of different things. Maybe because they're not living a similar life like we are. And we got to love people. We got to embrace them. We got to teach them. We got to help them. The guys that invited me out to church studied the Bible with me. They helped me to understand my state where I was. You know, point number one today is recognize who you are. We got to have a self awareness about who we are. These 10 men, as they saw Jesus from a distance, they yelled out in a loud voice, Jesus, have pity. Honest. They stayed far enough away from him to show him respect because they didn't want to pass on their leprosy to him. They were unclean and they didn't want to make him unclean. And they yelled out from a distance, Jesus have pity on us because they also recognized who they were and they recognized who Jesus was. That he was a godly man. That he was, he, had, he was somebody that was close to God and had extraordinary powers. Maybe they didn't recognize fully that, hey, Jesus is the Son of God or he's God in the flesh. But they knew he was pretty amazing. And compared to them, this guy could do probably amazing things for them. They recognized who they were before Jesus. And they recognized who they were before God. They were just sinful men, sinful people. They were lepers who were afflicted. You know, they were guys who had committed some type of sin that now are being punished for it. Or at least that was the view that they had in their own minds and the, the people in the community of God had of them. And so they recognized that and honored Jesus. They stayed far enough away from him again to make sure that they showed respect to him. They showed reverence to him. But most of all, there was a humility about them that allowed them to then impact Jesus' heart so much where he healed them 
of their leprosy. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to heal you. You guys go ahead and show yourself to the priest, like Moses mandated. They were supposed to uh, show themselves to the priest so that they could be declared clean. You know, your test came back negative. You are now free to go and be with your family and the community and have a great time. You could be part of the community of God once again. And they had to be super excited about this. I don't know how long they had not been part of the community, how long they had been since they saw their family, but these guys now, in their ability to see who they were before God, and recognizing who they were before God, it ushered in a healing physically. They were completely rid of their leprosy, and they went about their life. They were fired up that Jesus had an impact on them that cleansed them physically. Yet, there was something different about the Samaritan that was healed of his leprosy. Even as he was on his way to show himself to the priest, he recognized, hey, I'm clean. Something amazing has happened. And he ran back to Jesus. And this is going to take us to point number two. He did something pretty amazing that the other guys had not done. Not only had he recognized who he was before Jesus, he had this self-awareness about him that, hey, I'm just a sinner. I'm, I'm somebody that has leprosy and I need healing in my life. But as he was healed, a transformation occurred, not just physically for him, but in his heart that led him to a real awareness of who he was before God, who he was before Jesus, but more than that, who Jesus was. And this guy, despite just, you know, being in a leper state and now being cured physically, said, I got to give more to Jesus than just a, hey, thanks so much. But he fell at his feet. He threw himself there in a display of, Hey, you are my Lord, you are my master, and I am your servant. Though the other guy's shame and pain would be taken away, just like the Samaritan, this guy goes a lot further. And he says, I will do whatever you want me to do. I am at your disposal. And point number two here is, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So this Samaritan did that. He he throws himself at Jesus' feet. For whatever reason, the other guys did not come back. They didn't fully grasp what Jesus had done for them. But this guy did. And there was something that the other nine, a work that was left incomplete in them, that was now going to be completed in the Samaritan, that was going to lead him to have eternal life. In Luke 17, verse 19, Jesus said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Not only was he cleansed physically, but now Jesus says, Your faith has made you well. Which means it's made you whole. It's made you complete. It has saved you. It has led you to be saved. Not only was he cleansed physically, but now he was saved. He was made whole. This is pretty amazing. The other nine missed out on what this guy had 
received. And living a life in gratitude is something that calls for a response to God's work in our lives, similar to what this Samaritan man did. You know, falling at Jesus' feet, giving our life completely over in lordship to Jesus. Not only recognizing who we are before him, that we are sinners, that we fall short of the glory of God, as the Bible tells us, but that, hey, God, thank you for all that you've done. You know, as I was so grateful for the nursing staff and the doctors of Children's Hospital for what they had done for my son, and I was willing to do whatever they wanted me to do. You know, it was a very small offering to bring them flowers, cards, and donuts. But to throw ourselves at Jesus' feet and say, hey, my life is completely yours, is the least that we could do. we got to have a response to Jesus that is worthy of the sacrifice that he has made. In Matthew 13, 44 through 46, I want you to read there with me. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. We have two instances here that we read about. One of a man that finds the kingdom in a field. And he is so excited that he found something of great value that he hides it and goes and sells everything he has so he could buy that field and gain the kingdom. And the other one, a merchant, a pearl merchant finds a pearl of great value. Probably very shiny, very pretty, probably huge. And he sold everything he had and bought that pearl. The kingdom is super amazing. The kingdom is worth everything that we have. A relationship with God and being part of his community should be worth to us every single thing. Nothing could be worth more. And we display that in our gratitude and then our surrender to Jesus as Lord Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do. In return for the gratitude and faith that Jesus saw in this Samaritan, he gave them the gift, or he gave him the gift, blessed them with salvation, with everlasting life. What was shocking to me about these nine men is that they went back to be part of the community of God, to go about their religious life, their religious duties, and they totally missed out on salvation. You could be part of the community of God's people and do the things of God and yet not be saved. You may share in the blessings of God's community, but miss out on everlasting life. What a sad existence that would be that we are part of church, that we worship, that we sing praise to God, that we give our offering. Maybe we have discipling relationships that we're a part of, but yet we don't live a life of gratitude. We pursue our own kingdom, as Sam was talking about last week, where maybe Jesus has had an impact on our lives, where we opened up our eyes and we recognize who we were before him. 
And we repented of a lot of the things we did in our former life. So we live a better version of our previous life. We're a better version of ourselves. We sprinkle some Jesus on us. Yet we pursue building up our own kingdom as opposed to his. And we could miss out on salvation altogether. Because we don't live in lordship to Jesus. To his calling. To the things that he asks us to do. And it's got to be something that overflows from gratitude and faith from our heart. Like it did with this Samaritan. You see the other nine guys kept living their life and doing their thing. And enjoying themselves living for themselves. All the while participating in religious practices. Salvation is graciously given by God. To those whose hearts respond to His love and His grace, it doesn't just come by being part of a religious organization or a church. It doesn't come by showing up at 10 a.m., whether it's on Zoom or in person. But it comes by recognizing the Lordship of Jesus and practicing that in your life out of the overflow of gratitude and thanks that we have for what Jesus has done in transforming our lives and transforming our hearts. What would you have done had you been part of that group of men that was cured of their leprosy? Would you have been like the Samaritan man that came back praising God, throwing himself at his feet? Or would you have gone and seen your family and friends who you missed so much? This guy had his priorities in order. He really knew who he was before God was able to have a self-awareness about him, to humble himself fully. Hey, and the other nine did as well too at the beginning. But as Jesus healed him, he recognized even further who should be Lord of his life, while the other guys, they got enough of Jesus. They didn't want any more. They didn't want to be inconvenienced to go further and go all the way and turn their lives completely over to him. You know, that's a little bit of a sad story for these nine men. But man, what a victory for the Samaritan. I hope it encourages us and it inspires us to throw ourselves at Jesus' feet, surrendered fully to his lordship. Takes us to point number three. Before we take the communion, let's remember that a great reward awaits those that live in gratitude, those that have recognized who they are before God and humbled themselves and said to God, God, you are holy. You are amazing. And I'm just a sinner. I fall short of your glory. And thank you for offering me repentance, for granting me that, for granting me a change of life. And I'm so grateful for that, that I will surrender myself. I will submit myself to your Lordship, Jesus. Tell me what to do, where to go, and how to live. And I will do it for you, for those people who overflow with gratitude and faith. A great reward awaits. And we see that detailed out in Revelations 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth had passed away, 
and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Wow, what an amazing passage of scriptures that describes the new heaven and the new earth coming down from heaven. Amazing. You know, this awaits those who live a life of gratitude. What a great promise. It's almost like we have this Samaritan man up in heaven cheering us on, saying, you're going to get a great reward. You can do it. Don't let anything get in the way. I know that we can get so distracted by the world and the things that it offers. We can get enticed by Satan. I was talking this midweek about Black Friday and the sales that, that we see on uh, on the internet. You know, you can have a bigger TV. You can have a nicer car. There's all these deals. And we start building our own kingdom. And we start pursuing things of this world. And the kingdom, which is of great value, starts losing some of its luster. Maybe somebody has sinned against us in the church. We're all sinners. We all fall short. We sin against each other. We're imperfect people. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect community of God here on earth. And we sin against each other and we can let our guard down and Satan attacks our heart and we start losing gratitude for what God has done. You know, just like the hospital, this children's hospital that saved Nicholas's life. I'm sure that they've made errors before in their judgment. Maybe they've made mistakes in administering medication or doing a procedure. And some people maybe have been hurt or have died or have suffered because of that. But I don't let the fact that maybe they have failed at other times nullify the great work that was done in my son. And they're not God. They're just sinners like you and I. They're people that are flawed. And we participate in fellowship. We are in fellowship with a family that is not perfect. But we could look at one another. And when we fail one another, when we sin against each other, we could allow that to mar our image of God and His kingdom. And brothers and sisters, that should not be so. We should not allow each other to mar the image of God. The view that we have of His kingdom and how awesome and valuable that it is. Because you and I, have both failed each other. You and I have both sinned against one another. And it's going to continue to happen because we are imperfect people. 
But the Samaritan from heaven is probably shouting, don't give up. You can do it. Don't lose focus on what's ahead, on this great reward that awaits those who live a life in gratitude. It's going to be awesome when we're in heaven. And when we're there for who knows how long eternity, but when we're there five years, ten years, a hundred years, we're going to forget all that has happened here. And the shortcomings that we have and the shortcomings of other people. And we are going to remember the impact that Jesus had on us. How he turned our life around and how the scriptures impacted us and ushered in repentance. That that work of God started in us and we started living a different life. And for you and for me, hopefully that was not enough. But that we went and fell at his feet. Recognizing one, who we are. Having a self-awareness about us. That we need more than just a little bit of change in our life. But that we needed to surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. Not being like the nine that kept going, but being like the Samaritan that came back and was recognized because of his gratitude through his faith. And that brought about for him a salvation. A healing that was not just physical, that didn't just cure him of his leprosy, but that cured him of whatever was going on in his heart and brought about a wholeness, a salvation, being made well spiritually, knowing that heaven awaited him, a great reward that now awaits us as well, only if we recognize who we are before the Lord and surrender ourselves fully to his Lordship. As we pray for the communion, as we take the bread and the cup, let's examine our hearts. Where are we before God? Are we living a life lived in gratitude? And if we're not, I want to encourage you to completely see who you are. Recognize who you are before God. Surrender to his lordship fully. Maybe you need to go back to that commitment that you made before you were baptized. That confession that you made that Jesus is Lord. And you need to make that again. You need to remind yourself of what you committed to. Jesus dying on the cross was no small sacrifice. That meant that for those who would commit themselves fully to him, that all their sins would be forgiven, would be wiped away, and that they would have the promise of eternal life. But we got to keep living that life. I know that the decision for me is every single morning when I wake up, I got to make Jesus Lord of my life. I got to continue living my life in faith, displayed by my gratitude for him. Just live it out. Brothers and sisters, let's pray for the communion at this time. I hope this message ministered to you, that it helped you to get to a place where you could live your life in gratitude to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you ministered to us through the scriptures. Lord, we are grateful for how you have turned our life around. You have impacted us through the scriptures and changed our life completely. 
Lord, we recognize before you who we are and how we fall short. That we are aware of the fact that we are just sinful people. We are only made holy and righteous because of you. And because of the change of life and the promises that we have received, we surrender to you fully as our Lord. God, we are so grateful for the great reward that awaits us. And it's so encouraging to see the work that you did in this Samaritan. It gives us hope that we could one day be together in heaven. That we could reap the benefits of being your servants, of you being our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the kingdom and how valuable and awesome it is. And I do pray that even while we're here on earth, we allow the cross of Christ to be what motivates us to live our lives daily for you. To see the kingdom for what it is, which is something valuable and incredible. It's a treasure. Help us never to lose sight of how awesome your church is. That no one or no experience ever mars our vision of what it is. Our view, our picture of how incredible your kingdom is. Thank you for your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross allowing us to be cleansed of all of our sins and live a totally transformed life and surrender to him. In Jesus' name, amen.